for the church folks, but for you too. Uh, the same Holy Spirit that flows through this service is going to flow through your living room, going to flow through your kitchen or your bedroom. And I know in this time, it, it, it's difficult to continue to watch online and, and to have to social distance. And we got some seats and we don't have some seats. So we just want to honor your decision, whatever that might be in this time, whether it's continuing to watch online or to join us in here. We just want to let you know that this church loves you. We celebrate you when you come back. We look forward to seeing you. A lot of new faces today, so it's always good to see new folks coming in and, and being a part of the service. So I want you to worship with us as I ask uh, the church folks to go ahead and stand right where you are. Uh, today, you know, God's been taking us on a journey, I really feel. It's been a unique journey. When we first came back, we talked about a Joshua generation that was in transition and how we're in transition. Last week, we, we talked a little bit about the, a, a blind world, and, and Lord, how prophetic that was. is more blindness all over America right now. Uh, living in and amongst a blurred church, and how all of us should be striving to be brighter. And I believe the Lord is just uh, compounding on that today to teach us a little bit more of the times that we're in and what we need as church folks to get right. So I believe today is a, it's a difficult message to preach because it's thick, uh, it's rich, but I think if we get it, if, if this church, if this family gets it, we're going to come out the way God intends us to come out. Because I believe that we're on the cusp of a revival, amen? I believe that we're on the cusp of a great awakening. I believe God's doing something and He's preparing His church to be the bright light Facebook group, to be the bright light in this time, to, to rise up to who we're called to be, to walk in the constant presence of God, to manifest the fruit of the Spirit, not only for a generation around us that is blind, but for a generation that's in our homes that need God more than ever. So we're going to pray, we're going to worship, and as we worship, just let everything melt off. Let the praises rise up, let the blessings come down, and let us prepare our hearts and our minds for a deep word of God today. So let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we come to you online, we come to you in this building, but we come to you in the Spirit because you seek those that worship in spirit and in truth. So we worship you in spirit as we offer our bodies as living sacrifices today. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, that is our spiritual act of worship. So what we're doing in this time is we're letting our philosophies, our ideologies, our thoughts melt in your presence. And we open up our spirit for you to download your revelation, your light to our life to where when we walk out of here, we can certainly be brighter than when we came in. I've been getting text messages and Facebook messages of how God is doing something in the hearts of the people. And I believe, Father God, that is a small microcosm of what we're seeing in our whole entire church. So I pray right now, Father God, as, as people are still coming in and people are tuning in online, that we would just right now begin to close our eyes, to not be distracted and get ready for this worship moment to get ready for this revealing moment of what God would have for us this day marching orders, instructions no more church as usual you've got our attention God 
We're tired of it, but you got our attention. Every touch has a test. May we pass this test. So as we die to ourselves, increase in this place. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning we're going to teach you a new song.
Great. 
Part of my job is to sense and discern the spiritual temperature, and we're not hot enough yet. We're not hot enough and ready enough to receive what God would have for us today. Some people have walked in, and your distraction is is bigger than your God right now. Some people have walked in, and your worry right now is bigger than your God. Some people have walked in your opinion of, of how we're doing things and, and you don't like it. It's, 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 it's bigger than God's right now. So I'm just calling on us to die to ourselves before we can even receive what revelation God would have for us today. So I, I, I don't pray that we go through the motions. I, I pray that we are impacted by the moment of the song that we're lifting him up. We're lifting him up above that distraction, above that worry, above that opinion, above what's even going on in America right now. We lift him up above all of that. We lift him up. Lift him up right now, right where you are. Begin to magnify him. Begin to tell him how much you love him. Begin to tell him how he is your source and how he is your hope and how he is your rock and how he is your anchor and how he is your uh, uh, revealer of truth. How he is your light, your love, your life, your eternity. As we sing this again, let's truly lift him up out of our hearts and out of our spirit. Too much flesh in the room right now. You are shifted. Oh, 
Now give him a big old hand clap of praise and shout up to the Lord with a voice of triumph in this place, with a voice of victory in your heart. Come on and give him praise in this house today. God, Father, we come to you now with our hearts prepared, our minds in the right spot, and our flesh crucified to receive what you would have for us today. May we change. May we get back to the book of Acts, to where you started the church on this day of Pentecost. That you set the model, you set the tone, and you are the God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you did not mean for anything, no government, no people, no person to change or deviate from what you instituted in the day of Pentecost in that upper room. And as you set the parameters for the church, it has never changed. And we're going to get back to it in Jesus' mighty name. Can you give him praise in this place today? You have our attention, our ears are open, and speak to us in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. You may be seated in God's presence today. Glory to God. Just want to see who I got. Some new faces. Charlie, good to see you, buddy. Stoffers, good to see you. Russell's, good to see you. Lord have mercy. Y'all sure, take off your mask. You can take off your mask now that I'm preaching. I'm, I'm far enough away. You're fine. It's just the worship and the droplets during the worship that if you're worried about it, that's when I would protect myself. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 5, uh, 2 through 12. And, and, and just, just some glory to God. Uh, we gave away over 880 vegetable boxes Friday. Come to find out, a widow somewhere in America donated the $23,000 that it took to get that truck here. That's absolutely for free for us, amen? Just if you're wondering, for those of you listening on Facebook, for the moms and dads in this room, we have absolutely no idea when we will be able to open up our children's ministry. We are fighting for y'all. Um, we have conversations with the leaders in our state every Wednesday. And I'm going to be real with you. This pastor's about had it up to here with it. And I'm this close to rebelling and opening everything up the way it should be. But y'all pray for me, okay? Because rebellion's a dirty word in the Bible. Uh, but I'm, I'm about done with it. I hate not see the babies on campus being ministered to because Lord knows I know some of you are doing your job, but some of you aren't as far as showing them those videos. But I want to get back to normal as, as quick as y'all do and just, just bear with me as a leader as we juggle this and get through this. But it, it may be through the month of June that we'll be like this again. We're hoping July, but 
we'll see. Because it's crazy that they can open up gatherings, but we're not considered a gathering. We're considered a house of worship. Yeah. You can have daycare, 15 kids for all day, but you can't have 15 kids for an hour and a half. It makes no sense, but there's your government working for you. Might want to censor all that through Facebook. Turn with me to Joshua <laughs> chapter 5. I'm going to get with the policemen that, that attend this church to see if I did rebel, would they turn me in? Because unfortunately, it is considered a misdemeanor. Y'all ain't got to pay it, but I'll be the one in jail. And y'all be like, that's our pastor, he's in jail. <laughs> Thank you. Bored, you heard her, right? Bye. Okay. All right, Joshua chapter 5. So we looked at the Joshua generation as they transitioned. Now we're going to look at the Joshua generation as they were stuck. Today's message is stuck and I need to be stirred. Only if you're Pentecostal do you know what that even means. Half of you aren't Pentecostal, so that's the... That's the dichotomy that I'm in. I'm trying to get all y'all to be Pentecostal to get to revival, but some of you are Pentecostal, some of you are not, some of you are Baptist, some of you are Presbyterian, some of you are Catholic. I, I've got like a mixed breed here. I got, a, I got the mutt church. <laughs> uh, but we're going to get you there, amen? Because God has sent you a Joshua, a Joshua leader to help you learn how to get to where you need to be, amen? Okay. All right, verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, (laughs) if he ever calls me to do this, y'all better run. Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites. Now this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, notice what it says, all the men of military age. Somebody say fight. All the fighting men died in the desert on their way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the desert during the journey from Egypt had not. So there is an Exodus generation, and we're looking into a Joshua generation. Okay? Very important. The Israelites had moved about in the desert 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they had left Egypt had died. There he goes again. He's saying it again. And they died. Why? Because they did not obey the Lord. For the Lord had shown them that they would not see the land that they had solemnly promised their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place. And these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt. So the place has been called Gilgal. And it's called that to this day. On the evening of the fourth day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, watch this, they, now they're not in the promised land yet, but they ate some of the produce of the land. Very important. 
They ate unleavened bread. They ate roasted grain. Now, remember last week I told you about how the manna stopped? Read it. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites. But that year, they ate of the produce of Canaan. This is thick. This is rich. Let's, we're going to try to explain it today. You really got to hear from the, the, the ears of the Spirit. Again, if you try to interpret it in your mind, you're going to be so lost. I'll do my best. But, but today, I honestly believe that if you are stuck, if you are in that blurred place, if you have become apathetic, if you have become lukewarm, if you're not in fuego and on fire for Jesus, today's your day. And I'm telling you, where God's taken us, we better be on fire. And I'm going to be as crystal clear to you as I can. If the comfort of you being stuck, if the comfort of you being apathetic, if the comfort of you being in a blurred place is more important to you than the blessing of operating in the presence of God and producing the fruit of the Spirit and having a life that can be blessed by the anointing of God, if your stuck place is more comfortable than the promise, then you will never get out. The brighter life, the blessed life, the life that God has promised us in this Bible, life more abundantly, does not exist in the parameters of our comfort zone. I'm telling you, it does not exist there. So you must want it. What is it? Revival. Your children serving the Lord. You're serving the Lord. Your marriage blessed. Your kids blessed. Your life blessed. Your finances blessed. A place of blessing. A place that you can sense and feel the constant presence of God. No matter what circumstances, situation, or trial that you're in. Yes, it may be hellish. But yes, I know He is with me without a shadow of a doubt. And I've never questioned it. That's the place that I'm talking about. I told you the promised land was camouflaged for the promise of His presence. Get the promised land out of your mind. Get your pre His presence in your heart. But if you want comfort more than you want Him, then you'll always be stuck. But if you want Him more than you want comfort, I promise you He will stir you. Amen? Are you ready? Two people. Are you ready? Yes. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm ready. I've been ready for since I moved here in 2011 of November the 11th. I was ready when I left Georgia in the van coming this way. I knew what you had called me to do. It ain't changed. So if you haven't changed and I haven't changed God, then the only people that need to change are the ones that are before me. <laughs> help them. But help me communicate it effectively where they grasp the gravity of what you want to do. Amen. I believe to the strongest of degrees that this message will speak to anybody that can't stand lukewarm living. Maybe you, maybe you love it. I, I don't know. And maybe that's the problem. 
But if you do not like lukewarm living, an apathetic life, there's no changes taking place in your life. You're going through the motions. I come to church. I leave. I'm the same old crotchety person I've always been. Then, then, then this message is for you. And I'm telling you, it is easy in our times right now, especially during the Facebook times where all we could do is get online. It was so easy for all of us to get apathetic. Some, for some of you, it's so easy right now because you're not serving in a ministry. I'm just coming, I'm sitting, I'm listening, we're worshiping, we're leaving, we can't socialize. It's easy to become apathetic, dried up, blurred, with all the junk going on of philosophies and ideologies, you just get all blurred up with it. You don't even know which way you're coming or which way you're going. You don't know what truth is. You don't know what fact is. You don't know what a lie is. You don't know what a conspiracy theory is. It's just I'm all blurred. And it's easy in this time. But if you're truly a lover of Jesus Christ, you must understand that none of us should be stagnant. We should be constantly moving from a place of faith to faith and glory to glory. We should be growing. Thank you. We should be growing. I mean, like, really? I was kind of fine just where I was. Some of you have told me the lukewarm place is discomforting, Pastor. I don't like it. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, the lukewarm place should be a place of discomfort that I don't like. But the problem is, is the place of transition can be challenging too. And I don't like that either. So that's usually why we get stuck. Are you hearing me today? So when I speak of being stuck, when I speak of lukewarm, when I speak of a blurred place, I hope you understand what I'm saying. It is a place that I'm not who this describes me to be, but I'm not who I used to be before I came to Jesus. Are you hearing me? Some of you have told me, I was hateful before I came to Jesus. Now I'm a little bit more loving, but I'm not where I need to be. I used to be a hateful, angry person. Now I still get a little bit angry, but I'm not where I need to be. That's a place called stuck. It's a place called apathy. It's a place called blurredness. And then every day you have the opportunity when you look at this, when you sense the presence of God, I could start the fire, right? Because God's just not going to go, you're on fire. He's never done that to me. Now, after I've entered in, he's going and help me get on fire, amen? So every day we have a choice. Either I get on fire or I make the choice to continue to grow cold. So the book of Joshua is a book for people that are ready. I don't know if you're ready or not. I am, so ready or not, here I come, and you're just going to have to chase, chase me down, okay? The book of Joshua is not for religious mumbo-jumbo folks. And religious mumbo-jumbo folks, we made it to church. It was good for the kids. I'm here. This is what Daddy taught me to do. Check. That's religious folks. Folks that they're just here to sit and listen to the preacher and go home and back to their normal life. I'm talking about spiritual folks that are offering their body as a living sacrifice according to Romans chapter 12. That is my spiritual act of worship. I want to grow. I want to feel the presence of God. I want to flow in the giftings of God. If somebody comes to me that needs to be healed, I can pray for them and the power of God can flow through me onto them and they can be healed. I can have a word of life come out of my mouth that could set somebody free. That's the place I'm talking about being. So the book of Joshua is for people like that. 
The book of Joshua will fuel a fire. A fire of people that are saying, I'm ready to slay the old man once and for all. I'm ready to slay the flesh. I'm ready to slay the carnality. I'm tired of the thoughts not only creeping in my mind, but going through my fingers and typing all over the place. The book of Joshua, it's a powerful book. It's a powerful book because it shows us how we can possess the promises of God. But in order to possess the promise of God, guess what? You have to be prepared to fight. I'm sorry, it's a fight. It's a battle. Don't believe me? Read the book of Galatians. It talks about the battle between the flesh and the spirit. There is a battle taking place in order to become all that God's called us to be. I wish it was easy as getting saved. Now I'm free and set free and nothing's bound me and I'm all that and a bag of chips. No, baby, that's not how it works. You've got something to do, amen? So let me explain the atmosphere of the text. Let me explain two things that are taking place. I hope it opens up your eyes to see the times that we're in. And I hope it gives you a strategy to see where I'm trying to take you. Okay? So the atmosphere of the text. It, 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 the Joshua generation that we just read come on the heels of an Exodus generation. An Exodus generation that experienced, Lynn, the Ten Commandments. An Exodus generation that experienced the power and presence of God. These are the children of those people. Everybody say children. These are the children of these people. The Exodus generation were people that got the Ten Commandments. These were the people that did not. But the Exodus generation, there are no people on planet Earth besides you and I, that have experienced as much as God as they experienced. See, we experience God because He did so much more for us because He gave us the Lord Jesus Christ to die on the cross that He made a way where there seemed to be no way. For the Exodus generation, He showed Himself strong in manifested miracles, signs, and wonders. Therefore, it boggles my mind to read that a God that could do so much for some people, yet they fell so short of the promised land of His presence. Do you see that? Died in the wilderness. How could you be on the verge of something, baby? Fixing to step in to what He's called me to. Fixing to be who He created me to be. I'm almost there. About to put my toe in the deep water of His Spirit, but never attain it because of your disobedience and you literally die in the wilderness. Do you see that? It's crazy to this preacher. Maybe it's not that crazy to you. It's crazy to me. How could it be possible that the God who invested so much in them invested so much in us be such a blessing to them, be such a blessing to us, but miss it? God, after all, brought them out on eagles' wings, fought off their enemies with boils, flies, and frogs. Not nuclear weapons. Frogs, y'all. Frogs. C 
sent a north wind to dry up the Red Sea so that these people could cross on dry land. To get away from what? Their past. Their enslavement. Their enemies. And then just about when he was out to reach them, God drowned them. So much so that revival broke out that Miriam grabbed a tambourine and all the little old ladies had a Holy Ghost hoedown, started to sing and shout and praise because my past is gone and my promise is ahead of me. Experienced revival, but still died in the wilderness and did not attain the promise. What other people on planet earth besides us has God provided in this way? He made sure they were taken care of. Gave them a pillar of fire by night to keep them warm. A cloud by day to keep them cool. They were starving. Manna fell from heaven. They were thirsty. He brought water out of Mora. It was bitter water, but he made it sweet. Then they traveled on. They didn't have no more water. What did he do? Out of a rock came water. Here they are seeing this. And they still miss it. They still missed it. And can I tell you, church, with all of my heart, he made a way where there seemed to be no way. And I told you last week, he made a way where there seemed to be no way. And it was Jesus Christ for you and I. And can I just tell you, right now in your life, if I walked you up here, I'm sure you could come up with something that God has done in your life just to show you that He is God. Amen? How many of you got, is there a witness in here that He's come along just to prove to you that He is God? I've seen some of you come out of situations so horrible that at the end of it you look, you gave God praise, and you said, Pastor, there was no doubt that God was in my life. If any generation should have been stirred up, set on fire, ready to take hell with a water pistol, it should have been the Exodus generation that came out of Egypt. About to enter the promise of God. God did spectacular stuff. But isn't it funny and isn't it crazy that God can do spectacular things, yet we're the ones that choose to remain stuck? They chose to remain stuck. How many of you are parents? Even if you got older kids. How many of you, like your, your kids have come to you and, and they're like, you know, Daddy, Mama, I think I'm going to do this. And you're like, whoa, no, 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 no. You do that and I promise you this will happen. But here's some wisdom and knowledge. If you do this, I promise you it's going to work out just fine. Anybody been there? Just two of you, okay. Y'all got better kids than I do because all my kids make some stupid choice. So, that's how God feels. Because your kid ends up choosing the bad path, right? You're like, I, told, I showed you that if you would have done this, it would all... God says, I've showed you that if you would do what I say, it'll all work. But you... you, you Now you know how God feels. And the book of Hebrews probably does a better job than I of saying why did it happen. 
Because the writer of Hebrews tells us the problem with the Egyptians and he's revealing the problem with church folks today is the words never mix with faith. Bottom line, we hear it, but we don't act upon it. We hear a lot of it because there's a lot of words that come out of my mouth on Sunday morning, but we don't act upon it. And you'd be surprised at how much we hear, but we really don't act upon it in the faith. They heard the word, they saw the miracle, but the Bible clearly shows us that they failed to act upon it because it tells us right here in bold letters of their disobedience. Now lean in because I got something really juicy to share with you. You know what this tells me? I don't want to get too close because <laughs> God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Y'all believe that? Never changes, right? What this shows me is God has a breaking point. Still today, Jules. Oh, no, there's Jesus Christ. Okay. You push him and see how far you can push him. Because it shows me that God has a breaking point. And the scary thing about it is what is that breaking point? I'm okay if you fall out with me because I don't need you to survive. But if God falls out with me and he cuts me off, I have no hope. I need him. He is my anchor. He is my rock. He is my hope. Now I know all of you people that have the philosophy is once saved, always saved. Just, just mull on that. He has a breaking point. I don't know what that breaking point is. But he has a breaking point. Because in the Bible, God washed his hands. Washed his hands of it. Looked at him and said, I'm done. All of the generation except two died. Died in their disobedience. And understand with me, church, I don't know if this is prophetic or not, because from 1918 to now is about a couple of hundred years, hundred years, right? God deals with people generationally. He deals with people generationally. He let a whole generation go under. But the text that I read brings me hope. Hope for you and hope for me. Because this Joshua generation is not those people. Now, here's what's scary. Is they are the children of those people. Don't miss that. They are not the people who were born in Egypt. And these are not the people that drank the sweet water. These are not the people that saw water come out of a rock. These are the sons and these are the daughters of... Of the escapees. But what I see in this text. Is you have a Joshua generation. That was stuck. Somebody say stuck. Now this is the difficult part to explain. Brad I hope I do a good job. If I don't tell me afterwards. (laughs) I want to explain. Church generation. And I want to explain flesh. Two totally different things. But I think it's all wrapped up in here. All right. So what I see in in here is the Joshua generation is stuck between two locations. 
they have not been indoctrinated with the philosophy of Egypt. And the philosophy of Egypt being God brought us out. He did great things, miracles, signs, wonders. They didn't have the philosophy or the understanding of what revival is. Nor did they have the understanding of what the promise was. So when you bring it down into the church generation today, we have an older church generation, miracles, signs, wonders, tent revivals, revivals, healing crusades. We had all of that. We had the Brownsville revival. We had revival chasers. We had people that knew how to fight in the spirit, knew how to come to the altar and pray through, knew how to praise until the yokes were break, knew how to lay hands on people until people were delivered. We had a generation of that. But where are they? They may be alive in the pew, but they're dead in here. They're dead and they haven't taught a new generation how to fight in the spiritual realm, how to go after revival, how to see the miracle signs and wonders, how to die to your flesh in order to be holy, that is, He is holy, that He can inhabit the praise of His people and do great things like they saw back in the day of Pentecost. So we have a church generation that is stuck. So you get a crazy preacher that has been delivered, but has been in revival. He tells you about the philosophy of Egypt. He tells you about the philosophy of what can be, and you've never experienced it. You never know the verbiage, and you're stuck going, okay, it sounds good. Lead us there, I guess. Never tasted and seen it that way. Never been in it like that. Never seen a miracle in my life. I mean, church is pretty good. Give me three songs, preach a good sermon, and get me home on time for once. Right? We have a church that is stuck between two places. But we all have to be unity in one accord to hunger for the greater things of God. That's generationally. Now let's enter into that mixed flesh. Because that's where it gets complicated. See, to be honest with you, somewhere between this and that is an uncomfortable place. When you're striving for revival, you're striving for holiness, but you're stuck in the carnality in the flesh of your life. See, when I, when I, was, when I was a sinner, y'all, <laughs> I loved Egypt. Egypt is a representation of sin. I, I sin with the best of them, baby. I love to sin. Are you hearing me? When I was a sinner, okay? Come back to me. Not right now, all right? When I got saved because I had good roots that had been in revival, my church had experienced revival, my mama experienced revival, my mama had prayer meetings, little old ladies would pray my friends through, pray me through, we'd still go back out and sin, but they'd pray us through. We knew both worlds. So when I came to church, I was on fire for God. I wanted His presence. I wanted to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I wanted all that God had for me. I truly wanted to decrease and Him increase. And then I got a call on my life and it went to the nth degree. But there were times that I would get stuck and I would be lukewarm and I would be apathetic. 
And look at me, everybody. I hated to go to church in those times. Because it was the most uncomfortable pew I ever sat in. I swear the pastor put rocks in that pew. I was squirming, I was wiggling. Because it's the most uncomfortable place to be up under an anointed preacher that preached sin is sin. And he calls you out where you are instead of tickling your ears. And he challenges you to go further, saying you've got more in you than how you're living. God's got more for you than how you're living. There's a greater place for all of us than how we're living. We can go together as a family. We can enter into the promises of God. We can produce the fruit of the Spirit. We can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We can call out demons. We can bind up Lucifer. We can do it, church! But it was a living hell living up under a pastor when you were lukewarm. So you either had a choice. Either I keep going to that church and change or I just find another church that talks to me the way that I want them to talk to me. Personally, as your pastor, I love you, but I don't like being stuck. I love you, but people that are comfortable in their stuck place, y'all give me hives. You really do. I, I, I don't like being around stuck people. Nothing against you. I love you. I pray for you. I'll go out to eat with you. But, but I don't like being a place where I'm not moving forward. That's why I hate where we are right now. <laughs> it's a frustrating place. We're not moving forward, but we're not moving back. We're just kind of stuck in this limbo time. Are you hearing me? And I told you last week, I can be a voice feast for God because I can show you a verse in Scripture where God says, I would rather you be hot or cold, but not lukewarm, for I'll spew you out of my mouth. So as your pastor, I give you permission. Either go out there and act like hell, or start acting holy. The people that are already acting like hell, see, they didn't clap. I say either be all the way in as a saint or be all the way in as a sinner, but do not be stuck in the middle and give mixed signals to people that are looking for a Jesus that can save. Come on and give Him praise. All right, let me get back. So at the moment that these people were about to possess their promise... They actually faced their biggest crisis. And I believe with all honesty, church, and I'm not going to back down from this, I think we were on the cusp of something miraculous taking place in this church and then a big crisis hit us. But I want to break this down to where we can see it, to where we can make it out better. Here's the Joshua generation. They were about to possess the promised land. But they were about to possess the promised land with no experience to match the opportunity. What do you mean, Pastor? They didn't know how to fight for what God promised them. We as a church generation stuck in the middle, we don't have the right experience to go after revival because we've never experienced revival and we truly haven't tasted and seen that the Lord is good. 
So we don't have the experience to come down here, pray somebody through. We don't have the experience to come down here and, and, and praise until something breaks. We don't have the experience that when the flesh gets the better of you during the week that you can go into the Bible and get the Scripture and start crucifying that flesh. We just don't have the experience because we didn't have a generation that taught us or modeled it or showed us. Maybe we didn't have spiritual fathers that didn't preach it, that didn't tell us, that didn't say, this is it. So here they are. They didn't know how to fight for the promise of God. They're about to come to Jericho, y'all. A walled city. A bunch of nomadic, wandering, wilderness people that were about to fight the fight of a lifetime to possess the greatest thing that God could ever get them and they had no experience to do it. And if that wasn't enough, y'all, here's their leader going, shh, 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 line up. Trust me. <laughs> Sharpens a flint knife and circumcises. Now understand circumcision in the two different realms of the Bible. Circumcision in the Old Testament was definitely an outward sign. See? An outward sign that I am in covenant relationship with God. Are you with me? Okay, that was Old Covenant. New Covenant, it, it looks a little bit different, but now it's called circumcision of the heart. Can't really see that that well. Okay, Circumcision of the heart should happen when you're a new believer, and that's called baptism. At baptism, you go into the water, a symbolic choice that you have made, not a tradition that you feel like you need to follow through because mama did it and daddy did it and Uncle Larry did it, and they're all pushing me to do it. No, it's a decision that I am a new believer in Jesus Christ. I'm tired of the old man. I'm tired of the carnality. I'm tired of the fruit that that junk produces in my life, and I'm ready for to go for the promises of God so this part that has absolutely no reproduction properties in me oh the flesh has a reproductive property but it's not something you want to produce like anger and unforgiveness and bitterness and all been up and, you see what I'm saying has no good reproductive properties it does not produce the fruit of the spirit so I die to it I kill the flesh and then as I grow from faith to faith and glory to glory, that's why he became the Savior. But in order to make him Lord, I follow a deeper principle of Romans chapter 12 that I continuously offer my body daily as a living sacrifice, asking for the Holy Spirit to control me, bottom line, possess me. I would rather be possessed by the Holy Ghost than an unholy ghost. To where when I move and I talk and I think, it's him, not me. But isn't it funny how the thing that serves no purpose in my life and produces the nasty in my life and causes so much pain in my life and to others, isn't it funny how we hold on to that? Isn't it funny how the flesh can cause words to come out of your mouth that hurt people? Hurt your family, hurt your spouse, hurt your kids. Isn't it funny? The stuff that is so hard to give up 
It's the stuff you really don't need. So in Scripture, circumcision, don't miss this, is usually done from father to son. But the Bible shows us twice that it tells us Joshua did it. Joshua did it. He was not their father. But he had been given the leadership task and the leadership anointing to circumcise them. Why? Because their fathers died in disobedience in the wilderness and they never circumcised their sons. And according to Scripture in the Old Testament, a son should have been circumcised at the age of eight, showing that that child had a relationship with Yahweh. As a new believer, the goal is for the flesh to fall off. Are you hearing me? If you really study Paul, when he talks about Romans chapter 12, he actually gives you about three to four years to be mature. If you really study it and really dig into it, he should, people should be at that stage about four years into their spiritual journey. But what do you do, church, when what you should have done when you were a new believer never got done and now that you're a seasoned saint, you have to keep going back and fixing your childlike problem. Are you hearing me? Do you get it? Your childish ways is about to mess up your adult promise. I don't need to start calling them out where you really understand me, do I? Okay. So the question is, is why didn't the father circumcise them? They didn't put faith with the word. Because their fathers did not die when they were eight days old. They could have done it. So I'm asking you as a people, what do you do when what you should have done when you were a new believer has never been done now after 15, 20 years of following Jesus? What do you do when your spiritual fathers didn't give you what you should have gotten that now some of the teaching that you're hearing are like, I've never heard this before. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't. Flesh? Spirit? I didn't know this. Promised land? Promises of God? Walking in the anointing? The power of God? I've never heard of this. What do you do? Now to bring it home to you, what do you do when you're not giving it to your kids to help them fight the fight 20 years from now? Because look at the place you're in because you didn't get it from mom and daddy. Oh, they brought you to church. I applaud them. They were good people. They put good skills in you. But did they teach you how to pray? Did they teach you how to crucify that flesh and get your heart right, get your spirit right? Did they tell you how to examine yourself and say, ah, uh-uh, that's of the flesh, this is of the spirit? Did they tell you that? Seriously, tell me. Talk to me. We're having a conversation. Harry, did they? I mean, it's okay. You're not coming after your mom or daddy. We're just being real. Did yours? Did yours? Did yours? Did yours? Did yours? Mine did. I'm not saying I'm set apart. What I'm saying is I've come as a Joshua to help you. I might not have a flint knife going around slicing them, but I've got the word in the mouth to help you. 
to help your kids. Kristen, I want those girls to know how to fight, to discern good from evil, especially when that boy starts looking at you like he does. <laughs> Glory. Are you hearing me today? When your teenager has a nasty attitude for them to feel the conviction of God and change. When they're following the wrong way for God to stop them in their tracks instead of you having to do it with a shotgun. Are you hearing me? That's what I'm trying to get this family to live out. So here we, I don't even know where I'm at now. I got way off. We okay? All right. So here they are. Poor Joshua having to fix what their father should have done. So here's the good news. Good news for you. Good news for me. Is that even if we haven't gotten what we should have got, God always has a way of making it up to you. Are you hearing me? Look at somebody six feet away and go, it's time to get it together. Look at your family in this church and say, Church, it's time we got our act together. Because understand today, church, don't miss this. We, we are close to where we need to be. And I believe God is saying in this time to the church. Because I sense... I don't know what it'll happen, and I know that y'all been with me for eight years, been like, you've been sensing this since day one. That's okay. As long as it's eternal, it's going to happen. Okay, if it, if it was of the flesh, it would have died in me by now, wouldn't it, Brad? I'd have been moved on to something else. That ain't working. I'm just moving on to something else. I feel it in my toenails. There's a great awakening coming. There's a great outpouring coming. There's a great revival coming. But we are now in a place that God says, I can't take you there. If you're going to hold on to your junk. He's still coming for a pure church. Don't miss that. I mean, we don't have to get old-fashioned and old-timey and start preaching. He's coming for a bride that's pure. He's coming for a bride that's holy. I ain't going to get holy and righteous on you. But he hasn't changed his mind. He hasn't rewritten it and going, Okay, I'm coming back for one that's got some spots and blemishes on it. Come on, talk to me. No. So what he's got us in this time, and I'm afraid that leaders and churchgoers are missing the time. He says, I can't take you to the awakening. I can't take you to the promised land in the shape that you're in. So you call it COVID. I call it Gilgal. Because there I got to fix some stuff. I got to cut some stuff off of my bride. And we got to let him fix it or we will be left behind. Now the fixing, the slicing, the cutting, the pruning, it is not fun. I don't like it when God convicts me. I'll be honest with you. Being angrier is a lot easier than being humble. And saying I'm sorry. Being unforgiving. Is a lot easier than letting them off the hook. Being bitter. Is a lot easier. 
than getting better. Are you hearing me? And sometimes you're going to have to go back and fix a flesh mess and it may hurt, but I told you last week and I'm telling you today, in the land of Gilgal, something's got to die. So here they are. They've come to Gilgal. And it's properly named because it means circle. It's the place where the circle of the flesh was cut. But listen, the flesh dying preceded the move to destiny. That's deep. Don't miss that. In order to reach what God is calling you individually and us corporately, in order to reach a destiny, dying always precedes it. Dying is repentance. Dying is giving it up. Dying is saying, I no longer want to be stuck. Dying is saying, I want to be on fire. Dying is saying, I no longer want to be apathetic. I want to go all the way with Jesus. Are you hearing me? Flesh dying precedes destiny. And I've creeped some other preachers just to see what's going on. And there is a very small majority of us. Because what preachers are preaching to you right now, this is what God's going to do. God's going to get you through victory. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be good. <laughs> and here's this old preacher telling you what God wants to take from you. And God wants to take something from you in this time. I ain't talking about your finances. I ain't talking about your job. I ain't talking about your favorite seat in the church. I'm talking about your flesh. And I know you want to come in and me Rudy toot toot you and get you going out the door to where you can face Monday. No. I want to be able to face what's coming. If you can't face Monday by now, I can't help you. I want to help you face the future when the glory of God hits that we don't miss it. We're a part of it. Because he will pass some churches by. Read the book of Revelation. He comes after the churches more than your pastor does, okay? So, as the musicians come, and I know a lot of you are thinking, man, he sure has shortened his messages. I like this. Don't ever change it. God desires to cut everything in us that serves no purpose. And that's the flesh, baby. So, I just want to be real with you. What do you personally need to cut away that's standing between you and God? I mean, I know the things in my life. I mean, I had to deal with the message myself for me before I ever brought it to you. What about you? Don't yell them out, don't yell them out. What do you need to cut away that your kids don't need to see? Come on now. Let me go ahead and get that big toe. That anger in you. Does your kid really, really, they need to see that? That foul mouth that you just let fling at the supper. Really, do they need to hear that? Is, is that what you want to raise up? Ser seriously? I mean, if you do, okay. Make them tough. I say make them creative that they can use good words. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take much creativity to fling out bad words. 
Really, that drinking that you get drunk every night, that's the example you want to set for them. To show them to truly how to fight in the Spirit is that it's so tough that I have to just drown my sorrows and teach them this is how you drown your sorrows instead of going to God. Really, is that how you want to? Don't look now, but have you circumcised them? Single man, maybe you need to cut her away. Single woman, maybe you need to cut him away to be all that God's called you to be. I just challenge you to cut whatever you need to cut that's keeping you stuck. That's all I'm challenging you to do. I'm not coming after you. Now, if I hit some points, then, you know, let the chips fall where they may, put it in your satchel and take it home with you. But I'm trying to teach my church that conviction is good. Mm-hmm. And if you want to run from it, I'm sure there are other places that don't preach the way that I preach and don't challenge you the way that I challenge you. And if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But I'm looking for a church that embraces conviction. Because that's how I was taught. I was taught, don't run from it. It's going to make you better. So I embrace it. I lean into it. I'm like, okay, God, let's go deep. What, what, what is it in me that's causing that? Let's get to the root of this, because if I just chop it off, I, I, I'm growing a garden, and those stinking weeds keep coming back, even though I keep pulling them. Sin is the same way. If you don't get to the root and dig it out, that stinker's going to keep coming back. When God convicts you in the house, He's cutting. And it's a sign that what's in front of you is bigger than your present And it's certainly a whole lot bigger than your past. He always cuts to move you deeper. That's what conviction does. And I want you to understand, conviction is a sign that something in your life needs to die. And I get it, it may hurt. But it heals up quick. Mm -hmm. It heals up quick. Don't believe me? Read the Bible. It heals up pretty quick. Because the next element, watch this, the next element in the text says they ate from the produce of the land of Canaan that year. Though they hadn't been in it, and what I keep telling you is though they haven't been in the promised land, they tasted and seen what was in front of them. And if you've been with me long enough and you really truly hear my heart, I keep telling you that God brings His presence in this church. He did it last week. In the middle of COVID shutdown, these two people get saved and they're back. I won't call out the names unless they gave me permission. But you know what? I got texts saying, you know what? I was angry at God. I was far from God. But I allowed him to cut me and I'm back. I can't do that. It's the presence of God. And he gives us droplets of his presence to say, taste and see that I am good, that I can keep you chasing after me. Some of you have told me, Pastor, why can't I just feel the way that I feel in the service on Monday? Because he gives you taste of what your life can be like Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. But he's calling you to cut it. 
how do you walk in the presence of God, Pastor? I've told some of you this. I said, just marinate there. Whatever that means, you just marinate in His presence. And I pr promise you, step by step, foot by foot, you will experience His presence. And when you tune in your voice, you'll begin to speak the way He wants you to speak. Act the way you want, He wants you to act. Because I'm telling you, stuck's not a good place. He shows you that there is a brighter life. But I also told you that He's tired of just giving out freebies. He's tired of just giving you the manna. Here's your cloud. Here's your No, if you truly want me, you've got to go after me. And I'm telling you, it's the hardest thing to do to pastor people that like to be lukewarm. And I'm not saying that that's y'all. So I don't really think you want that. But I'm telling you, if it ever gets that way, it's going to be the hardest. I thought COVID was hard. That's the hardest place to be. And that's why I don't like to be around lukewarm people. I'm sorry, I love you, but they drag you down. I want people that know how to fight. That know how to get through their day with victorious. Give me somebody with some life and some fire down in their soul. Because there may be a day that I need your fire and you're going to need my fire, but together we can make it, Amen. So here's what the Lord showed me. I want to show you this picture. Y'all got that picture? Were you able to get that picture? Okay. Hey, 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 he's so cute. Just so you know, that's my son. I just didn't pick some random dude. God said, show him that picture because that's the picture of the church. Trying to be something we're not. Like a little boy dressed up like his father. Playing the role. You got that phone. Got that tie. Got them shades. Acting like something on the outside that he ain't in on the inside. It's time to stop playing the role. It's time to stop acting like we got it all together on the outside and nothing's truly happening on the inside. And that's why I believe that we're in the time that we're in is God has brought us not to COVID-19 but to Gilgal so that the inside can catch up with the outside. Can I go a little bit deeper? The generation had absolutely no skills to go forward. So God took them through a painful surgery. And He says, you've got to make a choice. We are in a painful surgery right now. And I'm telling you, I've heard it said he's separating the true believers from the non-believers. He's separating the wheat from the chaff. I do believe he's doing a separation. And there's going to be, this church may look different when we all come back together because there's going to be some people, and I'm so proud of a lot of you that have been here since day one. My hat's off to you. I applaud you. Thank you. It shows me your heart for the church and for the ministry. It shows me your heart of believing what God wants to do here. So thank you so much. But everybody's not back yet. And I'll, I'll be real with you. I'm worried. Is he separating that some are going to resort to the comfortable? Some are going to resort to the stuck? 
And then there's going to some make the choice. Mm -mm. I'm ready to be stirred. I'm ready for the great awakening. I'm ready for the revival. I'm ready to be better. I've learned something in this time. Here they are at the promised land, about to enter it. And in order to make it to the promised land, they got to cut something away to attain destiny. And the reason why most people never grow in the Lord is they will never pay the price of cutting away the flesh. Facebook, holiness requires discomfort. And God is telling you in your living room it may be hurtful, but it will be helpful and you will heal quickly. I'm going to leave our Facebook crowd right here. I'm going to talk intimately with the church body and as soon as you tune off, we encourage you to faithfully give because of your giving, because of their giving. We're making this church stronger than ever. We're going to be able to do some incredible things on the other side of this that I never even thought possible coming into this. God has surely shown Himself strong through you and your giving and your faithfulness to the church. I love you. We're praying for you. If you want to cut away, would you comment right now, I'm cutting it away, Pastor. Or if you're listening to the sound of my voice and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you want one today, would you go ahead and type right now, I want to give my life to Jesus. Somebody will reach out to you. Somebody will connect with you. And somebody will help you get to where you need to be. We love you. We're praying for you. We'll see you next Sunday.